Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Nearly a year ago now, I sent Joe a WhatsApp message asking if he was up for doing a podcast. Something would be a bit of fun where we could both chat about marketing. But it took a spot of home confinement during lockdown to actually get us to record anything. Fast forward to today, and we've started to grow into something far bigger than we anticipated. It started to become a community. And now it's become an event. With One Summit Down, we've already learned a lot. And in this episode, we thought we'd share some of the things we learned and we've ballsed up. I'm Joe Glover. I'm the founder of the Marketing Meetup. It's a community of 14,000 marketers around the UK and established very much on the basis of looking after each other and uh, just looking at marketing in, in a way where the humans come first. I'm Richard Wood. I run the marketing agency Six and Flow. I've worked in marketing for around about 18 years now and I'm a massive believer in that people should be trying to engage with people on a human level, not just treating people as leads and numbers in a spreadsheet anymore. I put on lots of events, but this one was like no other I've ever run. So what did we learn about putting on an event of this scale with brands such as Privy, Drift and the NHS? And what will we do better next time we run the summit? Probably next March. So Joe, we ran ran a pretty large event probably bit off more than we could chew in the space of two days if we're being brutally honest yeah. but i think we we just about managed to get through it and i i enjoyed it do you enjoy it yeah i really enjoyed it i, I uh yeah you know i i really really enjoyed it i thought it was it was actually a real challenge it felt like a slog over those two days if i'm being honest uh but it was a pleasure to sort of find discomfort as well within within that sort of. We're, we're back to the BDSM chat again. <sighs> Many, <laughs> like thirty seconds in. <laughs> so, what was your favourite talk, Rich? What was your favourite talk? I, I think for the ones that, like for me, it's it's between two. So, like the the one that I took the most learning from was probably the Doug Lander session, and it's because he was talking about storytelling and how you position your brand and there were some real actionable takeaways for it so everybody that was on that call could have looked at any way any of the stuff that they use to position their business be that your proposal decks the way that you you market on your website all of that kind of stuff that you're pulling together like your collateral and building that into a narrative that helps paint the picture to sell your business in and i found like the he had proper I would say American energy to put into it as well. And it was like, that was great. And then similarly, every time I hear her speak, Julie Hogan, like I I get so much from it. And I just really enjoy hearing her talk again, because of that energy that comes through and like the passion that you can sense in what she's actually delivering. Mm -hmm. And again, like it was from those two, 
I took the most like actionable learning that I could. So like there's from the Doug uh, session, I've shared that with four or five people across the agency and a couple of people externally going here. Like, I know that you have an immediate need uh, or like a challenge. And I think there's stuff in this presentation that's going to help you. And with Julie, she was talking about ways that she engages her customers. Um, how Like, remember they were doing like those round tables, like, and they sent out a survey for how would you like to be engaged with as a customer? Like, would you like more co-events uh, like where we do um, speaking engagements together? Would you like a networking group between customers? Like that kind of stuff. We're mm-hmm. about to send something very similar out to our client base so that we can start to engage with our clients better. So like those two things, those two talks, I took loads from. So they're the ones that I enjoyed. How about you? Um, I, I, I think there's a point to pick up on there before I give the ones which I enjoy, which is about the energy. Yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned that with both of them. And, and I think uh, quite often people underestimate the importance of that. You know, people always say, I want to talk with actionable insight and stuff like that. But I, I often think as someone who curates a lot of talks and events and stuff like that, it's probably, I'd say, somewhere between 75 and 80 percent of it is actually how, how something is delivered rather than yeah. what's being delivered. Um, and you could tell from the second Julie came on, you know, when we were chatting to her before we went live, you know, just the warmth yeah. that came off her, you know, it was incredible. And and the same for Doug, you know, it was a different kind of energy. You, you could tell that he was like, a, you know, just someone who was really, really good at what he did and, and like um, just loved it as well. Yeah. You know, I, I thought that was, there's something really special when you see someone enjoying what they're doing um, and both of them sort of encapsulated that that spirit. Um, the two talks which I sort of noted above, not above others, but you know I particularly enjoyed um, were Annabelle and Sarah um, yep. for actually completely different reasons. So um, I don't necessarily think, but uh, either of those talks you came away with like the definitive way to do something you know it wasn't like here's a model or a framework i think every one of those uh, both annabelle and sarah provided us with prompts to go into our lives and sort of say okay i've seen how someone else has done it how can i do this in my own scenario now um so for example i think annabelle did an amazing amazing job and gave a talk which i haven't seen the level of particularly regularly when speaking about understanding uh, a target market, uh, when it came to understanding, you know, what they wanted, what they disliked, and then putting a campaign around that and using the language behind it. The level of like, just in her talk, the level of knowledge and experience that you could just see in the way that she had gone about the project and the way that she was delivering the learnings from it. Like you could see that was like a cut above what you would normally get given in a, a, like a Zoom call session. 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, you know, it, it was, you know, sometimes you meet people and you're like, you're doing something that I don't think I could do yet. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of came away with that from Annabelle, you know, that she not only, not only had she been through the process of learning how to do it, she'd then done it and then she'd managed to distill it down in a way which other people could understand. You know, that's true mastery right there. You know, that's the one who really, really knows what they're doing. Um, and then the, for Sarah, I, I just really enjoyed the talk because, I mean, so for those of you who didn't watch the talk, then it was about how Sarah, as the head of digital communications for CUH, NHS hospitals, so the Cambridge University hospitals, um, how she navigated the coronavirus uh, pandemic from the perspective of being within the hospital environment. And I, I, not only did I think it was inspirational and, and sort of 
made me want to work in, in, in a in a job like the NHS where you can feel like every day you're like you're making a difference. But I love the way she also structured the talk. It was like, you know, here's a story and here's the things that we learn from it. And then the hard work was actually for us as a prompt to go out and and understand what those lessons were and apply them in our own context. I, I thought both were outstanding uh, in, in in lots of ways. Sarah's one, I like that was for me as a marketer. You very rarely get to see what how internal comms can be effective in that kind of scope. Like it's very very rare that you like get that insight and not only that is it you then started to go okay she's taken an intern what is effectively an internals comms campaign and then starting to see the effect that that has on the wider community around them like that's that's stuff that i'd never seen before or never really thought of before because mm-hmm. internal comms to me had always been like one of those like nice to have like <laughs> like you're just telling staff what's going on across the business type stuff and mm-hmm. stupidly because i know that's not like we're all about empowering our teams to help us market obviously internal comms helps facilitate that and i'd never really seen that mapped out or like the effect it had and Mm. the the other thing that i found quite moving see see joe i do have a heart so Mm -hmm. like found quite moving about the talk was because it is something that is so relevant and so timely and everybody has been affected by covid and Mm. everybody i mean half more than half the nation used to be out on their doorsteps clapping at eight o'clock on a thursday night for Mm. the nhs and having that insight into what was going on within that building it just kind of it brought it all home a a bit kind of clearer i guess yeah well you know we are living through a a rare period of time where we are having a universal experience you know and and to actually hear that on the other side is was really yeah it was something special and i think also despite the getting caught up in in the emotion of it all what an amazing amazing job you know her and her team had done as well you know it wasn't just like we were operating during weird times it was like we were operating with during weird times and we did a hell of a job yeah you know, I, I i don't know I, I thought it was amazing really really good and it was the second time i heard that particular talk that just like even so you know it was absolutely worth seeing again so in the introduction, you had your little weird flex. I run a lot of events. And <laughs> how does how does what, what we did last week differ from what you normally do? So and like what what's the normal format just to give people a bit of context between the difference? Yeah, so my normal events will run for one hour uh, once a week. So 8.30 on the Tuesday morning, uh, GMT. Then we will run an hour for an event. Um, the one tomorrow, we've got like, 700 people signed up or something ridiculous like it's a very intense hour um but it's like it's done after an hour it's done you know you kind of know it's all over with i think the difference with this you know and and actually i should say with the hour that everything is also compressed into the hour so like if the tech fails it's not like a talk you know it's not like there's another talk it's like that's it for the week you know so there is the pressure that goes alongside that everything is building up to that moment but once it's done there's also a massive release of like people going out and speaking about it to the world and 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 stuff like that a two-day event is so much the headspace is just completely different you know because especially the way that we did it where it wasn't like talk after talk after talk after talk it was talk gap talk gap talk gap yep and there were a couple of comments on LinkedIn from folks who like 
really appreciated that sort of thing because they could dip in and out throughout the course of the day and they could still get stuff done. Um, but from an organizational perspective, you know, you, you, you're in a marathon rather than a sprint. So it is a, it's a completely different headspace and even going to bed in between and knowing <laughs> that the next day you have to wake up and, and kind of do it again. And that's not a negative thing at all. It's just a different way of approaching it. So I like those. I saw those comments on LinkedIn as well, and like I agree with it. Not just from a like an attendee thing, because if I, if you sent me to a, an all day conference, mm. I will at some point in that have to dip out for phone calls. I will sit in the corner, do emails, I'll sit in talks, and like be going through emails if the room's big enough and I don't look rude. If that kind of <laughs> makes sense. But yeah. like, and so I'm not engaging through that. But if you've got space to dip out do your emails, catch up on meetings, answer Slack messages, things like that, you're much more likely to, in like my opinion, you're much more likely to capture my attention. And and from an organizational perspective, I actually find that, although I've never tried to run a back-to-back -back talk session, so I have nothing to compare it with, but I also quite like the breather. I mean, like yeah. you, you went and took the dog out between sessions, which yeah. is <laughs> like, it's a nice way to like actually go and detach and come back rather than like, Oh shit, I've got another two hours left of a six hour slog. So like, I, I don't think I could do a back to back session. I no. don't think I'd want to. No, I, I think you're right. You know, without meaning, you know, this episode isn't about just patting ourselves on the back. You know, we will sort of, oh, really? <laughs> <I'm out. laughs> but like, I, I, I do agree on this particular point. You know, I, I think, it's one of the things about this generation of events in the coronavirus world that like to sit for eight, 12 hours or eight, you know, cause we started our event at nine o'clock and we finishes it, finished it at nine o'clock yeah. um, on the day. So to expect someone to have sat there for 12 hours or even eight hours, if we'd put it into a thing, I don't think we would have had the engagement that we did. Um, yeah. You spot on. I think that breather, not only is it, um, beneficial from an organizational perspective but it's also important from just a life balance perspective um people don't engage with stuff in, in that way anymore so it's i think it almost re uh, removes like a an element of arrogance in it of like my event is the most important thing in your life you are going to attend this all day we're really like actually guys we're putting on some content we'd love you to come but we're aware that there's other shit going on in your life Absolutely. um so what's what's your biggest like takeaway from the whole thing like what what did you learn from it um so actually it's, it's not a, a hugely transferable skill for people who are listening but i think well this is going to be a great thing to put on the podcast <laughs> well maybe it will be so <laughs> actually you know I'm, I'm going through some coaching presently and, and one of the things that i'm reflecting on right now is that i am working far too much you know like it's 2020 like i'm putting in 12 14 hour days without meaning to you know, I'll be sat on the sofa or something like that and I'll be writing up a blog post or something like that. And I think the result is that I came into the summit um, lower on energy than I could have been. Um, okay. And either lower on energy, um, well, yeah, just, just full stop actually. You know, I, I felt tired. And it's because I hadn't given myself the headspace and the time to actually sort of mentally prepare myself for it. In fact, like, two days before the summit started, I was running in a normal marketing meetup event. Uh, we had the day gap um, where I just did a normal day's work. And then the next day we were straight into the summit and I hadn't given myself the time to prepare. Yep. I think particularly when it comes down to um, how we've described the, the two day summit as like a marathon, 
um, because I hadn't given myself the no carb loading, Joe. But exactly. Yeah, I, I I felt tired at the end of day one, and then we went into day two. Now, I think the way that I would have approached it differently now would be to give it the space it deserves. And actually, I, I've just been through a coaching session like an hour before we got on this call, and I've given myself four questions. Oh, here we go. Are you going to give us a two by two framework? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's not a two by two. It's literally just four questions. So the first question is, does it contribute to balance? So uh, work-life balance, but also physical, mental balance. Uh, does it contribute to a goal? Um, so a career goal, personal goal, whatever it may be. Am I being purposeful in my action? So am I consciously choosing to have my action? And am I being present? So am I being present in that moment? And if I reflect on the week prior to the summit, I was probably acting with none of those things um, in, in, in regard in context to the Humans Can First Summit. Mm-hmm. And it was only when we got to Thursday, Friday, that I was like, yeah, I'm in the room now. But by that point, my energy being depleted in that sense. So my big learning is give these things as much as they need from you, yep. you know, because they're important. And, you know, it was an incredible two days, but I know it could have been an even better two days had I given my complete energy. So I, like, I, I feel like we've got, like on that basis, I feel like now that we've got the, the groundwork and the framework of how we roughly want these to play out and we've mm. kind of run it through and we've, we've tested the engine, mm. now we're in a position where we can go, okay, we can put less energy into the, the mechanical bits. Yeah. Like we've tested the platform. We know people have an appetite for it. And I think now we can put more energy into like the hype and the excitement and mm-hmm. like being present on the day and kind of experimenting with other parts of it now. So I think that there's a, a, a space in there to be able to do that. And I think like, I mean, we did we did a good job over what what we were trying to do, but I feel like there were bits that like when you get partway through and you're like, fuck, I really wish we'd done that bit sooner or yeah. like we'd added in this bit or- like the Facebook just, group. Yeah, like the Facebook group that we started as we had just finished the welcome keynote. Yeah. So one of the things, so my biggest takeaway was that like there was a huge appetite for community. Like people don't necessarily want to just speak to us. Like they want to speak to other people. And what we didn't do up until like the thing had already started is we didn't enable anybody to have a, a, community or conversations outside of the sessions that we were running and those sessions because we we're running through zoom webinar people could ask in the q a they could chat but there was no interaction between people unless we were calling them out in the sessions mm-hmm. and what i would have done differently is i would have taken that community aspect right because we we led in with okay here's some great speakers and here's the things they're going to be talking about and that was the central point and everything else became a bolt-on. I think next time we go in, okay, we want to bring, what, five, six, seven hundred um, marketers together mm-hmm. and like give them the ability to rub shoulders, digitally speaking, together. And then we're going to put on some content around that kind of nucleus of conversation and community. Because yeah. I think that's, I mean, it, it's probably if you think about it, it's much more aligned with the ways that we a believe in marketing and the stuff that we talk about. So it kind of makes sense that the audience were looking for that. And we didn't, we didn't kind of 
do that up, up until we'd already kicked it off. Uh, yeah. But it was good. Like people, people were starting to engage. We didn't, I, I mean, we haven't put enough effort into it since, but mm-hmm. we already have that starting of a community now. And I think we'll, we'll start to get better with that bit as we start to run more of these. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, it's a learning thing, right? And and I think you made a really, really great point up front. Not that the rest of it wasn't a good point, but like the bit in particular about knowing the mechanics. And actually, yeah. like, I think we did put you in particular, in fairness, you know, like um, put energy into learning the platform and, and you know, like inviting the speakers and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and that becomes second nature after you've done it x amount of times but the first time you know it's, it's really difficult so Although i had had forgotten to uh follow up with one of the speakers and tell her which day she was speaking on until two days before but you know <laughs> other than that it was okay yeah but you live and you learn don't you and, yeah. and like the next time round, i'm not saying we're going to template it all because that's not the way that we do it but we've got yeah. a we've got a guideline you know and, and, oh yeah i mean if we were to template it that would remove the possibility of fucking something up and where's the excitement in that <laughs> but um and like one of the other things for me as well is I think we did our, or I did our speakers a disservice somewhat where like we weren't giving them enough like prep and nudging. And I think we also allowed the speakers to not have to give us their talk titles up until like the week before, which makes promotion and things like that difficult. So right up until we were um, uh, about to kind of like launch everything, we like the week before i think we still were promoting as keynote marketing keynote sales so there wasn't really much context for people to understand and i think we were kind of pushing it on like the respective brands of our businesses and each other like and that's how we got those attendees and they kind of just trusted that the talks were going to be good from that point and that's what i am uh, like i want to focus on and actually so um one of our clients was running a summit this uh like uh, last week um mm-hmm. oh yeah it's monday isn't it so actually it was two weeks ago we ran the summit now yeah um so forget everything we said about last week um <laughs> so a client of mine was running a summit last week and i'm super fucking jealous actually because i just saw him put out a post this morning so um jonathan this one's for you the um I think, oh, who am i kidding he's not listening the <laughs> so <laughs> the basically they sent out for every registrant they sent out a branded cupcake now i'm one of those people who's like you can shove your branded cupcake up your ass. It's a lazy thing to do. But what I like, as in like, if somebody would just send me that in a standalone, but a branded cupcake, when you're at a summit, I think that digital physical crossover is very, very powerful. And I think it's a, like, a, it's something so simple, but a masterstroke because it, it makes you feel like you are like in that conference mentality of where you are you know that every other registrant is going to be sat at the desk eating this cupcake as well and i think that kind of thing we should definitely um kind of see how we can mix in the physical next time as well and just tie things together and actually the hubspot partner day out at inbound this year because obviously inbound didn't happen out in boston they um one of the partner tech companies did a um they normally sponsor the cocktail night and they did a thing where it was all around like you can enter like sign up with your details and we'll send you a cocktail um like to the post obviously we're in the uk so mine didn't arrive until two weeks after the event but like you know i I still appreciate it yeah 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 no so there we go how about this all the people that sign up next time all the people that sign up next time we will send them alcohol for signing up 
<laughs> please, <laughs> please know that might really not actually happen. First is about the titles, um, and and like I fully agree. In fact, my observation from running the marketing meetup as long as I have is that, with the exception of a few superstars, you know that everyone is sort of familiar with in the industry, then it is the titles that sell things. Um, you know, so f fully agree that that was a huge learning. But I think for anyone putting on an event. Um, you know, and, and without meaning to bash ourselves, then, you know, I, I think it is lazy to sort of go out with just the speaker name and expect everyone to yep. know who they are. So, yep. you know, next time we probably won't do that or we won't do that. Um, and then the other thing about sort of the the digital um, crossover is the digital physical crossover it sort of feeds into the other thing, which is attendee um, rates. So I know for the marketing meetup, we get about a 54% attendee rate on our signups to turning up on the day. And I think like, I don't think it's necessarily specific to our summit, but the thought process of, I think we gave a lot of thought to what can we do to get people to sign up? I think we probably gave less thought to what can we do to guarantee that people turn up yep. and like they did turn up, but I reckon we could have got, you know, like, yeah, I also, vintage, you know, had, had I also think that it's difficult as well because like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'd expect at least half to show up to a normal webinar as well. But with with this, you're asking people to sign up to events across two days. Sure. So like, I'd imagine that there, there's going to be a much higher dropout out of that. At least that's what I'm telling myself to help me sleep at night. But <laughs> like, so it's, I, I totally agree with you. Like that engagement, like pre-event engagement and kind of making sure people follow up. Like there were emails going out saying your talk is about to start, like stuff like that. But I think what would be great next time is to try and get the speakers like get stuck we'll do it on the speaker's behalf but try and get the speakers pre-engaging asking asking questions of their um of the attendees and kind of whetting their appetite and maybe sharing snippets about those speakers things like that and i think that would that would work a lot better to just get people excited and in the mix and again i think you're right about the titles piece because it's even when we're kind of saying to people okay you've signed up to this talk you've signed up to that talk because you sign up like just so everybody's clear you can sign up to the summit and then not sign up to talks but you would sign up and or like pick and choose the talks you want so i think the other thing that we should do better next time is cross promotion so like saying oh you have signed up to this one yeah. do you want to sign up to this one as well because i think there was a bit of a lack of that kind of mechanical stuff going on in the background too yeah and you know i, I think it's also important that not that we need to justify it to ourselves, but I think we're taking a view here that the summit was good and that we just want to make it better. We're not smashing ourselves over the head or anything like that. It's just like, this is just all about a learning process. And, and like the whole point of this podcast is that it's about humans and, and what humans do is go on the journey. So all we're doing here is sharing that particular journey, I think is. Now we're going to take a little pause and just shout out our main sponsor. AdRoll is a growth marketing platform that believes every e-commerce brand deserves a fair shot at success and gives those brands the insight, capabilities, and guidance to keep growing. So check them out on AdRoll.com. What I did like, though, there was like comments on social of people going, I feel like I'm genuinely in the Humans Come First podcast as they're recording, So like <laughs> it, which I think was a positive, but it's, <laughs> I'm going to take it that way. And that, like, that's the kind of thing that like, 
it's good because I feel like we've got to the point where people have an understanding of who we are and what we're trying to do and like yeah. and why we do this. And I think like, yes, we're trying to promote people being more human, but at the end of it, like, I mean, underneath it all and the whole reason we started doing this is because it's like just two dudes who wanted to start chatting about marketing and just like fill a bit of time that we don't have. And that's like, that for us is where the enjoyment comes out of it. And you know, actually, this is the biggest fuck up we made with it. Every one of the speakers offered up some time to mentor people from underrepresented parts of the community who want to step into marketing and basically like a 30 minute mentoring phone call and every one of them offered and actually Julie Hogan offered to do 10 of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and we didn't, we didn't shout about that during the event. We, we talked about it pre-event. We didn't, and we've not really talked about it post-event. Um, and sponsors ad role have also, um, offered to put in some time for that too. And I think, so like we need to do a bit of like follow up and kind of promote that because i think the speakers deserve to be shouted out a bit more about doing that as well not that any of them signed up on that basis they all said that they were happy to help um but i think we need to shout about that as a kind of like look look how amazing these people are not only did they help with content but they've also helped with this and also i think like we've got a, a an opportunity where like we can use our platform to help with that as well so like people who are like wanting to step into marketing particularly from underrepresented like communities or just don't feel like they have an opportunity to step into marketing is how can we connect them with the people who like can and the speaker like that's one of my learnings is like the speakers the speakers are real people too like they want to give back into areas that they feel passionate about and i, I can guarantee nearly i would say every one of the speakers who spoke um during the summit are passionate about seeing like good marketers coming to the fore and and definitely the underrepresented communities as well because like and you know i've talked about it loads that cognitive diversity mm. doesn't really work if if we're all like middle-aged fat white dudes and so like promoting outside of that is only going to make everybody better across the marketing spectrum 100%. yeah absolutely not it, it, there's it, anything wrong with being a middle-aged fat white dude with no hair <laughs> i told you i'm thinking about getting a hair transplant i might actually do it <laughs> full-on wayne rooney yeah i might do i might i may actually do it and then you can laugh and laugh and laugh at me but i, I, I can guarantee i will <laughs> but then i'll have lots of hair so yeah. i won't care <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway no I, I fully agree and and you know that was one of the principal things that you and I discussed not the hair transplant, but the, the, the mentorship element of the humans come first in it. And, and you're right, we need to make more of it. So we absolutely will, because it's, it's freaking important as much as anything else. You know, I mean, like going back to the observation about Sarah's talk and speaking about things that felt important, you know, that's exactly what this is, you know? And, and so for that reason, we need to do more about it because it's not like it's over. You know, yeah. we've got a bunch of incredible speakers who are willing to help out. So yeah. um, that's it. Did you enjoy it? Did you really enjoy it, by the way? I, like, I did really enjoy it. It was one of those things like I was enjoying the talks and like, I, I don't think I had enough time to like step back and appreciate if I was enjoying it or not, like as it was happening. Really enjoyed the talks, really enjoyed like you and I always enjoy hanging out. And that's like, we basically did that for two days. Um, and like yeah like in hindsight yeah absolutely i enjoyed it and it was it was fun because it was 
it was helping like it was it was doing what we wanted to do like grow the the hcf brand and kind of get more people who might be interested in listening to the podcast etc etc and that's great but it was also like we kind of it was almost like we could kind of prove that we could do that and our day job like mm-hmm. it's you and i both have uh like the stuff that we have to do this was no like nobody was kind of um paying us to do it or like we had a sponsor who was helping us obviously um and but like it was one of those things that we were doing because i was doing it mostly because i wanted to see if we could mm-hmm. um i i i like having big grandiose ideas and then like throwing a bunch of shit at the wall and seeing what sticks and i feel like this was one of those things that stuck um and i think um and i'm i am really looking forward to doing it again in march yeah no me too and and, you know to the point of shit sticking then hopefully you know as much as anything i think podcast marketing is really really hard and you know it's not the reason why we did it but i think it's an important point that actually as two marketing individuals then we've come up with a concept of something we want to do to fill our time that we don't have. Um, but then we've recognized that probably in order to grow that thing, you know, to, to sort of meet those grandiose goals, then we can't just carry on just doing the podcast, so to speak, you know, it has to grow into something larger or, um, you know, even just a peak of activity, which broadens the exposure beyond just that moment in time. Um, I'm pretty sure had we, or have, you know, if we continue doing the podcast for like 200, 300 episodes, there probably would be an organic growth that happens over the course of time. Yep. But it's this kind of activity that kind of gives those peaks, you know, and exposes it to a new bunch of audience, which is a marketing play as much as anything else. So big question. Mm. If you could have anyone speaking at the next summit in March, <laughs> who would it be? Think, go big and we'll see if we can get them. You know, the number one person that I've been trying to get to the marketing meetup for ages is uh, Mr. Bartlett, Stephen Bartlett. Um, I'm, I'm surprised he's blanked you. Well, you know, I mean, he's a busy dude. And, and you know, I, I hope that we'll get the opportunity to speak with him one day. And I believe in myself enough that I think we will. Um, so, you know, I think that's right. But um, who else? I've been watching loads of American politics stuff recently. And like... Well, I know somebody's going to be looking for a job soon. <laughs> <laughs> and not Mr. Trump, um, but Mr. Obama. That would be cool. You get Mr. Obama, that would be cool. Joe, there is no fucking way in hell. Okay, when I said think think big, <laughs> maybe dial it back a couple of notches. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, you wanted me to think big. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm sticking with that. I'm, I want Barack. <laughs> Barack or bust. Okay. I mean... <laughs> I'll send the email. There was a, an example of an article I read the other day who, of two people who managed to get Tom Hanks onto their podcast. And they did that through um, writing a note to him on a typewriter and then sending him the typewriter because he's a massive typewriter collector. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, if people can get Tom Hanks, then we just need to figure out what Barack Obama likes. So, do you know what I was thinking? Because, and like I messaged you, I was like, maybe we could get somebody from like, because we got marketing and sales people, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe we could get somebody who was more of like an inspirational story or like something like that to throw into the mix as well. So it's not just two days of being like bombarded with marketing and sales and yeah. like customer experience. Um, okay. 
and I was thinking, I don't know, like some of the like the best speakers like I've seen at like places like Inbound are um, like Michelle Obama was great, mm-hmm. um, and then um, Malala was amazing. Oh wow, well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and um, so yeah. Hang on, you're in the Midlands, isn't she in the Midlands? Can you like? Yeah, I think she's in Birmingham, isn't she? There you yeah. go. It's just on the road. You're practically <laughs> neighbours. You should ask. Is she at university at the moment, or something like that? I'm sure she's at Cambridge Uni. Is she in Cambridge? I'm sure she's at a red brick. Interesting. Yeah, well, if she's at Cambridge, then I can pop into the city. Although everything's on lockdown, isn't oh, it? Oh, otherwise, otherwise, yeah, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> she might come to a Cambridge marketing meetup sometime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. I very much doubt it. That would be nice, though. She's very welcome if she'd like to come. Okay, I'll, I'll pass that note on, Drew. <laughs> right, I, I think that's probably it, because Joe and I are starting to waffle. And so that's it from us as ever please give us a, a five-star rating it makes our lives a lot easier because it makes joe's mom happier because she sees her boys doing good and she is one of our two listeners so we'd appreciate it massively um other than that see you next week bye joe wait you don't even need hair plugs you've got a hat <laughs> see ya yes, bye <laughs>